she said, take him from a land down under Where women glow and men thunder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder, yeah You better run, you better take cover, yeah You better run, you better take cover Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Sidearm Nation podcast, a unique baseball podcast. Today, we have former college baseball player and creator of Body Break, Hal Johnson. Thanks for coming on, Hal. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I guess first things first, could you talk to us a little bit about kind of what sports looked like for you growing up? Well, I guess, you know, very much uh, very different than today where, you know, uh, kids uh, kind of funnel into one sport. Uh, kind of very early on and, you know, going to camps and, and focused in, we were, um, I played everything. I mean, if there was a ball or a bat or a (laughs) a puck or whatever sport there was, I was running and jumping and playing it. And uh, that's, um, I just loved to play. And uh, that's, I I don't, (laughs) things haven't changed either. I'm still, (laughs) still the same right now. So I'm, I just loved to play and, um, and that's what I did. I did every sport My my, when growing up, um, my, uh, I was, I was in living in Toronto and, and, um, kind of not guided, but, um, um, by my dad, but to, to play baseball, he, he, um, my dad played ball, my bat, my, my dad played, um, um, in the Negro, um, Negro leagues and uh, traveling baseball teams that if, if people would know there's an old movie called bingo long uh, traveling all-stars. Yeah. Uh, and that was, it was in the seventies and that was basically my dad. Uh, huh. He was on an all black team traveling uh, throughout North America, playing, playing ball in the, uh, uh, in the late, in the, uh, in the late forties, early fifties. And he, um, and that's where he met my mom actually playing ball in Rosetown, Saskatchewan. Huh. Uh, so it, uh, that's where, that's where they met. Uh, and, and he was playing with whole black, black baseball team. So on Saturdays in, in the, you know, in the sixties, you know, as a young kid, we would be, um, uh, we'd watch the game of the week together on and, uh, with Kurt Gowdy and, you know, and, and, uh, that was because you don't know, kids watch one ball game a week that was on the Saturdays. And I remember watching with my dad, Joe Garagiola and all uh, announcers. And uh, my dad would sit, I would sit and watch the ball game. And we would, um, my dad would call every pitch of the game because, oh, I think he's going to throw a slider here. And why? And I'm a young kid. I'm like, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old. And just, uh, and my dad would explain to me why he's going to throw a certain pitch at a certain time. So I started to understand kind of the analytics of the game. Uh, very early. So when I go to a ballpark, like it was at the, the Jays game uh, against the Yankees last night, when I go to a ball game, that's what I do. I mean, I'm, I'm the game moves so fast for me because I'm watching every pitch and analyzing every pitch. Uh, last night, as an example, um, uh, the, you know, was watching a game uh, there with my buddy. And, and I said, I, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the home run that, that was hit, I, I called the pitch because I said he's three two. Uh, Cole throwing a perfect game to this point. Uh, he's got to come in. He's got to come down the the middle 
with a fastball because he doesn't want to blow his perfect game in the fifth inning. And so I said, he's going to come in with a fastball. He's got to throw, throw that and boom. And, and, and uh, he challenged him and with a 98 mile an hour and, and he, and he hit it out. So it was those, to me, that's the fun part of baseball um, is, is understanding the, the dance that goes on and the mechanics and why things happen. Um, those are the things that I uh, thoroughly enjoy. And, you know, although I've been you know, doing body break for 34 years and, you know, uh, you know, created the show in, in 1988, I, I kind of uh, think back and I, I, and I certainly don't regret it because it's been a great, great, great time. But I think if I had another life to live, I'd want, I'd want to come back as the uh, GM uh, for the, uh, for the Blue Jays. So that was because uh, I thoroughly, uh, thoroughly enjoy the game. And then yourself, you, you played college baseball, Hal? Like, how did that kind of process, like recruiting-wise, kind of look like for you when you were younger? Well, I uh, after high school, um, and, and again, back then, you know, there wasn't this recruitment for Canadians oh, to, to, to play baseball in the U.S. But back then, I was, um, um, uh, after high school, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I went out to my uncle's ranch out in Alberta, and I started a company called Hal's Firewood. Uh, on his ranch and I've sold firewood into Calgary uh, for my first year out of high school. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And so um, um, my dad w- uh, got me a, uh, a tryout with a, with an agent um, uh, or with a, with a uh, scout, I should say with a scout who was a, a scout for a team. And, and this scout um, uh, said, uh, uh, you know, he's a little raw. So um, maybe you should go to, uh, I can get him a shot at junior college in, uh, in the state. So I, I went down and played junior college in, in California and um, I did pretty well and got a, a several scholarship offers. And I, I took the scholarship to University of Colorado and uh, I played there and there was a Buffalo and uh, um, had, a, had a great time and um, uh, led the big eight and home runs and various things. And, and I had an opportunity to sign with Cincinnati, but I decided to, to uh, finish my schooling at, uh, uh, at Colorado and not sign. And because um, I remember I called my dad, I said, dad, uh, Cincinnati wants to sign me. And he said, well, how much are they going to sign you for? And I said, I think it's like about $3,000. He said, don't, he said, you don't, he said, it's like, it's, he says, you basically, if you have a bad game or a bad week, you'll be, you know, you'll be gone and you'll lose your eligibility to play, you know, uh, university ball. So it's, it's, it's yeah. certainly not enough. So I didn't, I didn't do that. And, and then I went on, um, there's a buddy, uh, there was a guy I played with at the university of Colorado and his uh, name was Roger Speller. And Roger said, he goes, um, he says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be playing for the Canadian uh, team. And I didn't know Roger before we got to Colorado. And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm trying out with the Canadian team. I got, a, I got an invitation to the Canadian team. And I said, Oh, okay. And Roger was a center fielder. I played first base and, and, you know, Roger was hitting two, two fifty, two sixty, And I was hitting like three forty with leading the team in home runs. I'm going, if this guy is going to play for the Canadian team, maybe I got a shot to play for the Canadian team. So I sent them a letter and I sent them uh, my press clippings. And uh, I kind of highlighted, you know, here's Roger, here's me. <laughs> Can I have an opportunity to try out? So I did. Uh, they they brought me to camp in Windsor, and I made the team and uh, traveled the uh, traveled the world with the Canadian national team. So it was uh, it was quite a, a great experience. 
And I guess how, like, how would you describe kind of your type of player? Sounds like power hitter. Uh, my type of player, you mean my, myself yeah, or, as a player? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would say that, um, uh, quick with no speed. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, very quick hands. Um, and, uh, I think I could have been a, um, a, a good coach only because my, my dad had coached me so, so well as a kid. And I, um, and I understood, I understood the game so well and I anticipated everything. So I, I, from my lack of speed, I would anticipate what, what was again on the base base paths. It wasn't fast, but I was a good base runner. And so, because I knew, I knew, I knew the game very, very well in that sense. Cause I was you know, taught. So it, uh, that was kind of what I, um, uh, I could kind of anticipate a lot of things that were going to happen. And people don't realize that in baseball, you anticipation is it's is so key because it's such a reactionary sport so if you if you understand what you're going to do before it happens it makes things so much easier and uh, that split second that you are you know not anticipating something uh, that uh, that that occurs and happens uh, is the difference between a uh, you know literally a foul tip and a home run you know kind of thing or yeah, safer out too on a play, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, and it was the 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 thing I regret the most about baseball, and I, I've actually taken the lessons that I learned, both positively and negatively, uh, from baseball. I've taken it to life. Is that the thing I regret about baseball is I didn't give it a hundred percent. I had this natural ability, this talent, but I didn't give it a hundred percent. I didn't didn't do that extra batting practice. I didn't take those, um, be in the, um, uh, the, you know, uh, practicing, uh, uh, picks at, uh, you know, picking the ball at first base, uh, nearly enough. I should have done that extra. I should have gone that extra mile, uh, but I didn't. And so I, I, re- I realized that after I graduated university that I didn't do that. <clears throat> and I, um, and, and I took that into, into my business life. And I said, I will never do that again. I will never uh, look back at something and said, I should have worked harder. And so I know when we started Body Break, I remember so clearly we were in the, um, we had very little experience in, in television and what and anything. And Joanna and I created the show and, and we're in there with an experienced editor. And this is back in 1988. And the, the, uh, we're editing our very first pilot episode. And uh, we said, you know, okay, you know, we're doing the cuts and whatever. And the editor said, he goes, oh, that, that cut is good enough. And understand whenever back then, every edit that you did basically cost you in time about $200 because they were charging about $250 per edit and it took about 45 to 50 minutes per edit to do. So, so every edit was about that amount of money and the editor said, oh, that's good enough. And, and I said, well, if that's good enough, that means it can be better. So let's do it better. And I didn't have very much money, but I remember thinking it's got to be, if good enough is not where you stop. And, and um, that's where in baseball, when I looked at it, yeah, I was good enough. I was leading the league in home runs, but I was leading, you know, the big eight, but I wasn't leading nationally. Like I could have pushed it. I could have gone and done better. 
And, um, you know, it's uh, like, I, I know that the year I remember I was hitting the senior year, I was uh, hitting four, four Oh four going into the last, um, the last series. And I ended up hitting like, you know, three ninety five and went over five and, 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 and whatever. And, um, but it was, and I, I, I think if I didn't, if I had to push myself better, if I pushed it, I would have been a better ball player. And I've, as I say, I've transcended that into many other as- elements and aspects of my life. Any players there, Hal, that you kind of emulated or kind of watched or. Well, I played against some, um, uh, some, you know, um, really good ball players. Uh, Tony Gwynn uh, played against, oh. uh, played against Tony Gwynn. He was a pretty good ball player. Uh, <laughs> a lot, lots of pitchers that I played against. Um, but the, the, the guys that the, the heroes, my heroes growing up, um, I wore 27 when I pitched because as a kid, I pitched, um, that was a uh, Juan Marichal and, um, and, um, uh, Willie Mays was, was my, uh, was my hero. Um, and, and I'm, you know, unfortunately he didn't, didn't have the, didn't have the uh, talent of, of either of them by, by any chance, but, uh, it was, uh, there, there's certainly players that I, um, I thought so highly of and, uh, and, and really they were, they were my heroes. Uh, and, and I must say that it, it, it's, it was so much easier for me, um, as a, as a kid, uh, growing up in a sense, because you had these heroes that were truly heroes to you. Um, you know, because in your, in your mind, the way they were built up, you know, they never did drugs. They never smoked. They didn't drink. They were, they were, you know, Aaron judge type of the images that they came across. Well, today we don't have that many people. Um, it's almost the media like kind of tries to tear that veneer off of them. And, um, and it's great to see Aaron judge has got this persona of being such a, a positive uh, for, for people and, um, and for kids. And I think that's so, so important to have for, as a kid to have somebody to look up to. So I, I, I would never, I never drank, never would do drugs, never smoked, um and because i would always say i i'm an athlete i don't they don't do that i don't do that yeah it's been very cool to watch aaron judge this season and like you said he's a very positive influence in the game for sure yeah absolutely absolutely and and you know kids and adults can look up to him and um you know and and i think it, I know the cynical person in me. Everybody's waiting for the you know shoe to drop. That uh, oh, you know, he, he he's not as good as he's not as nice as um, you know he he comes across. But um, but yeah, he seems like a very genuine uh, you know uh, a very genuine guy and somebody that um, that you you want your kid to emulate certainly. And then kind of after college, there how you kind of kept playing, like played some you know senior men's ball and tournaments and stuff. No, actually, it was funny. After after I played for Team Canada, um, uh, my last game was playing against Venezuela um, in in Tokyo, and uh, my last game, and uh, I hit a I hit a home run, <laughs> and um, I remember it so vividly. It's funny. My, my last game, it was my last at bat. But my my last game, the uh, guy took off. Uh, it was runner on first. Uh, he took off for second. And I remember he, uh, I swung and foul tip. He's walking back because he had stolen the bag. He thought he had sold the bag. He's walking back and he's kind of flailing his arms, looking at me like, hey, I, I had that bag stolen. Why'd you swing? 
And uh, and because and and so the next pitch come, comes in, he steals again, but I hit it out of the park. So, um, and uh, that's that's a, a, certainly a memory that the last time I ever played. And then when I got back, uh, I, I had a, a few more courses to uh, to go back at the University of Colorado to finish my degree and get my degree. And and and, and I hit a point in baseball um, where um, I knew that um, I possibly i could play in the minors but i i wasn't good enough to play in the majors and i wanted to kind of move on with my life and i had a really great example um um by um there was a gentleman's name uh, billy stearns and billy stern his his brother um uh, i can't remember his brother's i think mike uh, stearns he just died recently he was a catcher for the new york mets and Billy, his brother, was a catcher uh, for the uh, uh, for the New York Yankees. Our, so he was our coach. He was our the assistant coach at the University of Colorado. And he um, he was in the he was in the minor leagues for um, several years. But the last four years, he was the AAA catcher for the Yankees, and he never ever had a um, a cup of coffee in the big leagues. He was behind. Thurman Munson. So he never got a chance. And when he retired, Thurman Munson, uh, the the very next season, uh, he retired in um, October, the very next season, Thurman Munson um, died in a plane crash. And I, and I remember, um, you know, and then he, then he became, he was our coach and he said, he, he would tell us about, you know, stories and stuff and i remember thinking yeah i didn't want to end up as a you know a a triple a or a double a player um because you know as you know there's such there's a significant difference between major leagues and and the minor leagues and um and i thought you know what i'm i'm going to uh uh, as lebron says i'm going to take my talents elsewhere and uh (laughs) And, uh, and you did. I, did, I didn't know what the, I didn't know where that would take me. <laughs> I didn't know what those talents were, but I thought, well, you know, I, um, I've, I, I, I think I'm going to move on to to other things. And I ended up selling computer systems to the military for uh, for quite a few years in in the '80s, and then I um, used that experience of selling to actually sell create and then sell body break um, i wanted to get back to sports and athletics and, and i uh, i created the show and then how obviously like this is sidearm nation do you remember facing many sidearm submarine pitchers or any teammates that were sidearm submarine pitchers y- yes in fact i mentioned uh, tony Gwynn. we went down uh, and we played against san diego state yeah uh, where tony was a a player we went and uh actually the i god i can't remember his name but he, they also had a shortstop on the uh team that played was the yankees uh, yankee shortstop for several years he uh was the triple a coach of the blue jays uh, a couple of years ago his name's escaped me um but yeah he was the triple a coach uh, for the for the jays uh, about two years ago two or three years ago and um anyway he uh they had some great ball players, but they also had three sidearm pitchers <laughs> and they all threw well over, over 90 between 92 and 95. And it was like, Oh my God, I hate facing. The, and they had no idea what was going <laughs> And they were, they were all right-handers. And as so I'm a right-handed hitter 
And so yeah. the ball's running into me. Like it was uh, <laughs> either sweeping away or fastballs kind of run, coming inside. And I would always crowd the plate and I had a close stance and I would crowd the plate. And I can't tell you how many times I stepped in the bucket. I mean, it was <laughs> like the, it was, and you know, the, when they throw, you know, and, and they do that, I mean, they'll throw a high tight and then it's low and outside. Right. <laughs> and, and the problem is when they don't know where it's going, like it, that's why in a sense, it's easier to hit against the guy who's a really good pitcher who knows where it's going because you go this guy, like I, I could predict, okay, he's going to throw it. He's going to give me a, yeah, he's around uh, the zone. Yeah. He's around the zone, but he's going to throw it outside. So I'm going to lean into it. <laughs> and, 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 but when a guy doesn't know where it's going, you're going, I think he, I'm guessing, because that's, I used to be a guesser of pitches. And I'm guessing he's trying to throw this outside, but he doesn't know where it's going, you know? And so if he releases it just a little early on that sidearm, it may just bury me right in the ribs, you know? That's, um, I hated facing sidearm pitchers. Like it, uh, um, you know, it's a different angle, but it, it's a different look. Um, the only positive that most of the guys that I faced through sidearm, the, they didn't have much, um, uh, North South break on it. It was more of a, it would slurve away as opposed to, um, a, a, a tremendous drop on the ball. So yeah, if I it stays, you. if it stayed on the same plane, it was, it was, um, relatively, if they made a mistake, you know, it wasn't, um, I could react at the last second, but I, I, I was like, I, you know, when they would come in, I, like when you'd see a sidearm pitcher, like I remember the, in, playing in San Diego and then we faced the starter, he was a sidearm in the first game. You know, and we thought, oh, good. We got rid of that guy. And then we played him the second game. Oh no, not the same. What do they clone these guys? Like it's, it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't fun. I, uh, I, and, and I didn't like facing left-handers either. Uh, really because you, you just because you didn't see a lot of them or where it wasn't oriented so it was where you, you couldn't pick the rhythm up of the um uh of the side armor or the left-hander and nearly as well did those uh three sidearm guys did they move on after san diego or i i don't know i don't know <laughs> what uh what they did uh i just glad we didn't have to face them anymore so it was and the, the fact is that they threw so hard. That was the, um, that was the, 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 the problem with them for us uh, because they were all really, um, and back then anybody who threw over 90 was exceptional. That was um, something different. Hey, yep. yeah, it was really different. Like you, most of the time, you know, we face guys who were throwing, you know, high eighties, you know, uh, mid to high eighties ish. That was the the speed back then, um, and that was pretty good. Whereas and and then you you know now, you know you you know if you don't throw ninety five plus, you're not really a prospect to a large degree. Um, and that, that's uh, and and they're they're blowing out they're blowing out arms um, left and right be, because you know guys are throwing one inning at and and at max as they're they're not learning how to pitch they're just learning how to throw. Yeah, and that's something like obviously with sidearm nation, like I mean, velocity is always going to be part of the game, but there's always going to be a need for guys like Simber that are funky and just mess up the hitter's timing. Yeah, I, I, and that's where I, I don't understand the the skill set has really been lost. It's uh, you know you're looking for a guy like you know who's going to throw like Chapman 101, 
Um, but you know, it's great, but he can't do it for a very long period of time, you know, and, and, the, and that, that, that's unfortunate. That the game has changed so much because, um, you know, we're a pitcher, you know, if a pitcher goes, you know, seven innings, he's considered a God of, of the staff, right. Where, you know, um, you know, I, if you know, and again, think uh, as an old guy, I'm thinking back in my day when, you know, if you had to bring a reliever in, then oh gee, I guess I really didn't pitch very well today, you know, because I didn't finish the game, um, you know, and that's uh, that's certainly something that has changed. You know, guys are considered you know fantastic pitchers if they go six innings without allowing more than three runs. So that's that's considered a good quality start, which you know. I say back in my day, that certainly wasn't the, it wasn't the case. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to kind of circle back. I think a lot of teams are realizing the analytics are all great and, you know, even drafting guys throwing hard, it's, it's good, but at the same time, kind of circling back a little bit, I think realizing need to draft maybe a guy throwing 90, 92 that knows how to pitch than just a guy throwing 98, 99 looks good stat wise. Right. Or, well, well, you you look uh, to me. The, the, there's two elements to to pitching uh, as a hitter that was uh, difficult. If a guy had movement on his ball and his fastball, and on his on any pitch, but especially a fastball, if he had kind of late movement on uh, on that, um, you know, he could throw something down the middle. And but if he knows it's coming in, he, he's going to jam you. He's going to saw you off, and and uh, you're not going to make good contact. Um, and that's so movement is. It was very, very big for for me, and the and the se- the second element is um, uh, uh, changing positions, high you know high low, uh, inside out, like actual pitching. Um, my best pitch as a pitcher was a changeup, um, you know, and and you, using that changeup effectively um, because it's all baseball is all timing, like it's your your uh, hitting is all timing. You're trying to get into time uh, timing as a hitter and so a change up if they're not expecting it or you put it in the right position is going to throw their timing off and that's what you're essentially trying to do you're either trying to fool them or cha- change up his timing and that's where let's say manoa from you know the jays he's he doesn't throw you know 98 you know he um he throw you know he he's he's got a good um uh you know, got a good fastball, but he, you know, he's throwing 92, 93 and, and that's, um, you know, but he's moving inside and out. Um, I, a gentleman I played ball with, um, a gentleman named Rob Biagini, his uh, son, Joe Biagini, uh, pitched for the Jays and, uh, and Joe, uh, I met Joe several times and, uh, um, and, uh, and with the interesting thing about, about Joe was his ball, he was only, he only threw 93, 94, but he had a lot of movement on the ball. And I think that's to me, the key, if you've got a lot of movement, um, uh, cause you know, you throw 98, but these hitters today, if, if you throw it straight, they're going to hit it out of the ballpark. Yeah. And you're doing all the work, right? You just have to barrel it up and <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Any advice, Hal, for kind of like younger listeners, just you know, like from a fitness standpoint, like baseball, like just anything kind of, you know, to keep your body in shape? Well, I think that is certainly the key. And, you know, it's funny. I talk again. I'm a Jays fan. I watch so many Jays camp 
I watched almost every game, every game this year. And what shocks me and um, is disappointing is you look at some of the guys on the Jays, uh, Vladdy, Manoa, uh, Kirk, certainly, that you go, you know, you've got to get into better shape. You've got, you can't regret, you know, you had this opportunity, get into better shape. And they have all the tools to do that. Um, and so I, I would say make yourself as in tip top shape as you can. Um, you know, back when I played, they really uh, discouraged us from lifting weights. Um, it was more just more about uh, stretching it out and running and that sort of thing. Uh, I would say get as strong as you can. Um, and, and that's really the, the focus is to get as strong physically as you can um, without getting tight. And there's so many routines and things you can do to, 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 to do that, uh, um, you know, and, and, but it's, that's where I, again, I look at the Jays and I think, geez, why are these three young guys, um, you know, Kirk can't play every game, uh, every, you know, back to back to back games because he's physically not in shape. Um, one of the things that we do in our presentations is we ask, uh, I bring a 20 pound weight vest. Uh, to our live presentations. And I asked somebody in the audience, I say, could you put somebody, would, would they volunteer to put this weight vest on? And we get a volunteer come up and, and uh, you know, he puts it on. And, and I said, all I would like you to do is go, go now and sit for, you know, the next hour of our presentation. And then we'll bring you back up on stage. And we do that. And the person comes in, I said, how do you feel? And the person says, uh, um, my back hurts, my knees hurt, my ankles hurt. Like they go, everything in my body kind of hurts. And I said, this is only 20 pounds and you were just sitting. Imagine if you're walking around with this all day, what it physically does to you. So if you have that extra 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 pounds, you can't be the best person you can be and certainly can't be the best ball player you can be. So getting in the best shape of that you can, uh, not only as a, a ball player, but you know, for people out there for the rest of their lives, it's just so vitally important. And nutrition, obviously, is part of it. I always struggle with that, especially in the minors, right? We're not making a crazy amount of money. You're eating on the road. That was definitely something I struggled with. Oh, it is. It is tough. Uh, but, you know, you really have to find a rhythm and what, what we often talk about is habits. You have to create healthy habits. So, like, if you're on the road, as an example, let's say you just find a habit that, you know, you're eating lots of salads. Like you can, you can go, you, like all these pre-made salads, like, you know, you go to a place, there's a grocery store across the street, they make pre-made salads, grab them, you know, don't, don't grab the, you know, the, uh, the Mary Jane's chicken and fries, you know, type of thing. Uh, you know, that, that sort of thing, every, uh, that's kind of a cop, but you just got to get into a habit of, of, you know, eating certain foods uh, every day. And you understand that, you know, your body's like a car and what, uh, you know, if you say, well, what are you going to put in your car today? Well, I'm going to put in diesel. Yeah. But you run a gas engine. Well, I mean, something's going to choke up. Right. And when you're 20, it's, it's easy to get away with it. It's easier to get away with it. But, um, when you're, you know, as you get older, it's much more difficult. And, and I think, um, uh, you, you understand that what you put into your body will either make or break you. And I've often said, when we say this in presentations is that if you only have a hundred dollars to spend, 
and you want to get healthier and you, you're either going to spend it on a, a personal trainer or a, or a, a dietitian. pick the dietitian. So they've got, you know, one class that you're going to go to take it with that dietitian. Um, that'll, that'll suit you well. And then Hal, it's just time for our ninth inning call to the bullpen. So just going to be some random questions just to learn a little bit more about you. Okay. Favorite NHL team. Unfortunately, it's the Leafs. It's Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite MLB team. Oh, the Jays. Like yeah. it's, it's, but as growing up, because we didn't have the Jays, growing up, I was uh, San Francisco uh, Giants. They were they were my team. Um, as I said, uh, Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, Juan Marichal, um, Bobby Bonds. Uh, they were they were my team as a as a kid growing up. Favorite travel destination? Oh, um, my favorite trip was uh, Ireland. Um, and uh, we hiked through the, um, uh, through the mountains of Ireland. And uh, we, we did a, a big hiking. I'm a big hiker now. So we, we go around the world, different hiking places. But that was my favorite. All-time favorite professional wrestler? Sweet Daddy Seeky. <laughs> okay, yep. <laughs> I, Sweet Daddy Seeky, I actually met him uh, back in the 60s. So if you look him up on Google, yeah. Sweet Daddy Seeky. Now, <laughs> if you could golf or have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would you like to go with? Um, Barack Obama. Martin Luther King and Hank Aaron. Would you prefer to be golf or dinner? Golf. Golf. Yeah. Because you, you actually see the character of someone when they're golfing. Yeah. Any particular course? Um, no, I, I, no, the, the course isn't in part is nearly as important as the people, but um, you know, I'd, I'd love to uh, um, I'd love to play Pebble Beach one day. Yeah. And then lastly, Hal, if you could be an Olympian in any sport, summer or winter, what sport would you like to try? Decathlon. Decathlon. <laughs> <laughs> because that means you're um, you're an all around athlete. And yeah. uh, they're, they're, they're probably the best athlete um, in the Olympics in, in my estimation. Yeah. That like what they do in two days. That's uh, I, I, yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate you coming on. How is there any shout outs before we sign off? No, I, you know, uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. I always love talking, uh, talking baseball. It's uh, something that's, near and dear to me and uh as i as i always say until next time keep fit and have fun she said do you come from a land down under where women glow and man thunder can't you hear can't you hear the thunder yeah you better run you better take cover yeah Better run, you better take cover